Hi, this is Tia Sarkar. I play Sabine Wren on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Twin Suns Transmission. Of course, it ends where it becomes a desert planet with twin suns. Hey, my name is Taylor Gray, and I play Ezra Bridger in Star Wars Rebels. I hope you enjoy this week's episode of Twin Suns Transmission. Here's where the fun begins. Let's make this epic more interesting. You've taken your first step into a larger world. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Twin Suns Transmission. I'm your host, Eric Pfeiffer, joined as always by Amanda. Amanda, we have a ton of Bad Batch stuff to discuss on this week's episode, so I'm excited to to dive into it. I can't wait to dive into this week's episodes of The Bad Batch and the week befores. I think that there was a lot of really great content that we got, and of course, more of my favorite little she clone, Omega. Is that what she clone? She clone. She clone. I have dubbed her okay. the she clone. It's official. <laughs> yes, well, just like Amanda said, we have two episodes that we're going to be talking about Cut and Run, which is episode two, and then Replacements, which is episode three of The Bad Batch. We're going to be talking all about those shortly here. Um,. Of course, we will be talking about spoilers, so if you have not seen these episodes, make sure to turn back now. But Amanda, let's begin with Cut and Run here. And the first thing I noticed after watching this one is that it did not have the Clone Wars intro with Tom Kane in this one. So I'm, I'm wondering if that's a result of, uh, of the stroke that, that Tom had. You know, we were talking about how we were surprised on the last one with Tom's voice there at the beginning um, and how how nice it was to hear that. And, of course, our, our thoughts and prayers are, are with, with Tom and his family during during his recovery. But I did notice that there was no, no intro there. And, again, it could just be that it's a different show. You know, this isn't the Clone Wars. So maybe they just wanted to switch that up a little bit. But isn't it really just the Clone Wars season eight? Pretty much. That's how it. That's how it feels. So I mean, we can say it's not the Clone Wars as much as we'd like, but when it comes down to it, I mean, this is this is season eight, and it's fantastic so far. Um, I was also a little sad not to hear Tom's voice at the beginning of this one, but you know, it could just be that they're reformatting the intro or saving him for special occasions, or, you know, maybe he's just not going to be doing this going forward on the show, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, either way, it's a great show. Um, and I'm, I'm very excited with the direction of the show so far. Uh, just a quick recap of this episode. So, we have our clones uh, minus Crosshair, uh, part of the Bad Batch. They're going to this planet Seleucami to meet up with uh, a guy that they know. And it turns out that this guy is Cut Laquane and his family, who we had seen in the Clone Wars Season 2 prior to uh, seeing them in this show. And uh, they're going to help help the Laquane family book passage off of Seleucami because Seleucami has sort of become uh, an imperial planet and they're trying to escape that. And then, of course, our uh, our clone group and, and uh, their friends, uh, of course, get into some trouble 
and a lot goes on. But what did you think of this episode? I really, really liked this episode. I was super excited to see Cut and Sue and the kids again. Um, I really enjoyed that we got a little name drop about halfway through for Rex um, and that he'd been through. Uh, passing through town the day before. So that makes me wonder if we're going to be getting some Rex action in the near future and potentially by extension, some Ahsoka. Cause you know, I'm always, you know, holding out hope to get a little bit more animated Ahsoka. Um, I liked seeing Omega get to experience things for the first time. I think that was a really unique perspective. Um, her experiencing dirt she was really psyched out about the dirt and I can't blame her if all of you've seen is like whitewashed, you know, scrubbed walls your whole life. That was, that was a, you know, her first nature experience. She got to play ball with the kids, um, had her first couple of brushes with organically dangerous situations. Um, yeah, I thought everything was really well done in this episode. They kept up the pace and they, you know, did a good job balancing humor and sentiment and action, I think. What about you? Yeah, I I definitely agree. And, and after every episode, I always sit back and say, okay, what was the purpose of this story? Why did Dave Filoni give us this specific episode? And I think for this one specifically, I mean, it was all about... It was all about our members of the Bad Batch, right? It wasn't really about the Empire. It wasn't really about Crosshair in this one. It was all about Hunter, Wrecker, Tech, Echo, Omega, and their dealings on Seleucami. And um, after thinking about that, of course, you your mind automatically goes to Omega because she's sort of this mystery um, she's the most intriguing character, I think, so far, just because we don't know too much about her. And so I think they're trying to create this character development with her. And as you talked to Amanda about Omega finally getting uh, to to experience dirt and to experience playing ball. And, and as we were watching it, I was like, oh, this is kind of like, you know, Wonder Woman going to the big city. Or it's kind of like Tarzan going from the jungle to a big city or, or whatever it is. But as I kept thinking about that, I'm like, it's not really. Like, it is, but it's not at the same time because this Omega is a child, you know, and on Camino she wasn't able to be a kid. And so while, you know, maybe with Wonder Woman or Tarzan, they're experiencing different surroundings and different things in their lives, this is different because she's getting to experience being a kid for the first time. Like you said, getting to play ball, getting to do a lot of those other things that kids should be able to do. And then so kind of piggybacking off of that, also showing the relationship between Omega and some of these Bad Batch characters. And I think when you when you think about the Bad Batch, there's sort of this rugged um, ragtag group of clones that you know, aren't going to be pushed around by no regs and kind of do whatever they want, whenever they want. And now they kind of have to keep an eye on this kid, which creates an interesting dynamic. So what did you think, Amanda, of the relationship between uh, Hunter and Omega in this one? Because she kind of goes off and, and goes to get that ball and Hunter is like really upset at her. 
And then we see Cutler Quain, who has kids of his own, kind of handle the situation with more grace. Um, so obviously Hunter has a lot to learn. Um, everyone does, really. But what did you think of the whole relationship between those two? I think the dynamic is growing. Um, I think Hunter is learning how to put on his dad pants. And um, he can't, he's learning that he can't unload on a kid who has no formal training for being a kid um, out of fear, because that's where, you know, that's where his explosion came from was from a place of fear and concern. He just expressed it in a more explosive manner because he hasn't learned how to respond to these kind of situations when a child is involved because he hasn't had to mind someone's feelings really before. So I think that, you know, he's learning how to put on his dad pants and Omega's learning how to everything. And, (laughs) and it's going to, it's going to be a really sweet journey, I think for her and the boys. Um, I think we're going to see each of the clones as these episodes progress individually with Omega um, learning how to fill a different part of the parental role with her. So I'm really excited to see how they all grow. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I think they're all going to have to deal with it in their own way and, and learn in, in their own way and, and come together as a, as a family. I mean, we've seen the Bad Batch characters together for a little while now but now there's this new edition and it's a it's a different edition you know it's a it's a young kid and uh it's a it's a responsibility and and i think omega has a lot going on internally right now i mean she wants more than anything to be a part of this bad batch crew um and we see her take her headpiece off in this one which is very similar headpiece that nala say has and and to me that was sort of like a symbol of of leaving her past um, on Camino and becoming a part of this team. Um, and I think when, at the end of this episode, when Hunter says, hey, you have to go with Cut, you're going to be safe, you know, you you have to go with them. Um, it's, it's better for you this way. You know, she feels discarded. And can you imagine... I'm sure we've all been in situations where we want something more than anything or we, or we want to be with somebody who doesn't want to be with us or, or, you know, situations like that. As a kid, that's that's really rough. Um, but she perseveres and she's stubborn and she just she does things on her own and gets what she wants. <laughs> so I think it's I think they're doing a really good job of not only making us care about Omega, but uh, showing character growth between between the clones and her as well. Yeah. And what did you think about how they all were kind of taking cues um, from Cut and his parenting style or kind of watching in awe at how he parents? Do you think that we're going to see them try and utilize the skills they've learned from Cut in the future? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think when you when you take a look at what Hunter says to Omega at the end of this episode, he says... You know, if this is where you want to be, then this is where you'll stay. And I think that was uh, sort of a moment of, of growth there for Hunter, um, kind of crossing that bridge and, and you know, making that move to, to say that. Because I can I can understand where Hunter's coming from. Uh, it kind of reminded me of, of the way that Kanan first 
interacted with Ezra. You know, he wanted to kind of give him to Master Luminara to kind of pawn him off uh, on somebody else because he felt inadequate. And so I think with Hunter, I think he feels a little inadequate um, to sort of be that father figure for Omega because he's never really had to do that. You know, um, but being able to see Cut and being able to watch him deal with his family, I think they're going to take as many lessons as they can um, because she responded. She responded well to the way that that Cut was talking to her. So I definitely think so. Let's talk a little bit about Wrecker and Omega. So I was talking to some people at work the other day about Wrecker because I think uh, if you take Echo out of it and just talk about the you know, the genetically defective clones. Um, I think Wrecker's my favorite just because he's like this big dude. He's scarred. He's got like a lazy eye or some weird thing going on with his eyes. Um, but he's very funny and he just wants to explode things and fight and stuff like that. And I, I just kind of think that's a, it's a funny character model uh, for me. But when you throw him next to Omega, the sweet young child, it kind of reminded me of like, Mando going on journeys with the childs, you know, going on journey journeys with Grogu. You've got this big, big nasty dude, and then you got a little cute thing, you know. Um, <laughs> and I think I think that seems to be a theme now with Lucasfilm doing doing stuff like that, which I think is pretty cool. You know, he originally was going to take her ration bar, and Hunter's like, no, don't do that. Um, you know, Omega got to keep it. And I think I think it's a learning curve for everybody. And uh, we'll talk more about this relationship uh, in the next one. But I thought, yeah, I think it's interesting how we get to see all these different clones interact with Omega. Yeah. I'm interested to see how Tech interacts with her um, further down the road once they have, like, an episode of them getting to do stuff together. Because he's so nonchalant about just about everything. I mean, the ship's going down and he's like, eh, life support's fine. It's not a big deal. Like, if he's unbothered, constantly unbothered. But what about when there's a kid that he is solely responsible for at some point? I, I wonder how that's going to go. Yeah, I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Um, and if Crosshair ever gets back into that situation again, how how the rest of the group is going to be treating him and, and things like that as well. So, Yeah, um, I mean, if they can get the chip out of him, I don't see why they would treat him any different. I think they all just miss him. Yeah, and I think in a, in a certain extent, and we'll talk about this more in the next one, I think he misses them as well, you know? Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. But let's continue talking about Omega, and then we'll move on to our next episode. So in this one... Uh, Cut is talking to Hunter and, and basically says, you know, that clones are all created for a purpose. Um, and all of these clones that we see have special abilities. And and I think they're really trying to let us know that Omega does have a special ability. There is something special about her. And that's all that we're getting. And I think just kind of as you watch the show, I think people are just trying to think, like, what what is what she got? You know, Um do you have any other thoughts or any any further thoughts from our discussion last time on Omega's special ability? Um, I think I want to touch on those particular feelings after we talk about the next episode because it has to do with some of the um, end credit speak. Okay. 
Um, but no, I, I definitely have my conspiracy theories. I've got my tinfoil hat back on over here. So, <laughs> yeah, I think there's definitely something entirely different about Omega from any of the other altered clones. And I'll leave it there for now. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Um, I really enjoyed seeing the Nexu in this one, too. I thought that was that was a good good touch. Um, I love I've always loved the Nexu creatures. Um, and I love seeing Cut and his family too. Good throwback to to the Clone Wars, um, and that's what I love about what they're doing with the with the recent Star Wars. Just bringing back some old things uh, to make you really feel like yes, this this does belong in the Star Wars universe. I recognize that thing, you know. Um, so I think they're doing a great job with that. Do you have any final thoughts on Cut and Run before we move on to the next one? I think it was a great in-between episode, um, kind of winding us down from the excitement of the first episode. And I, you know, I think it's going to really speak to the future of the show um, when we're looking back on it after this season is over. Let's go ahead and uh, talk about the next episode, Replacements, and just a quick summary on this one. So... Uh, leaving Salukamai, their ship gets damaged a little bit, and so they crash land, and uh, the capacitor, uh, a necessary component to the Marauder ship, uh, gets taken by what's called a Ordo Moon Dragon, and so they're not able to leave until they, they recover this piece from, from the dragon. Um, and then on the opposite side, you go over to the Empire side, Crosshair is... Uh, now going to be leading this new elite squad under the project name War Mantle that's headed up by Admiral Rampart. Um, and they're just testing the new the new squad out and trying to figure out how this new squad's going to be able to, to work out and everything. So um, what did you think of this episode? Um, I really liked... This episode, because for me, I got to see a little bit more of Omega um, connecting with those around her. I love everything that we got with Wrecker and Omega, um, especially that little bit at the end. That was, I think, my favorite part of the entire episode. And we got some more Lula doll. I'm always down for more Lula doll, so bring her on. Um, yeah, I, I really like this episode. I like that there was some like low grade action on the um, the Bad Batch end of things, and then um, you know seeing um, Crosshair story progress. That was a little harder uh, watching what he's becoming and what he has been brainwashed to do. Um, that that's not my favorite. Because it's very cold, it's very calculated, it's very detached, and it's a little bit unsettling. So, you know. So, I let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, we, we saw that they were trying to enhance his, um, his inhibitor chip in the last one and make it more aggressive, I guess. And then in this one, we see him kind of coming out of some machine, piece of machinery... And they're like, his vitals are at optimum levels. He's responding favorably to the procedure. So did you take it, were you under the impression that this was essentially uh, still doing the same thing, kind of enhancing his inhibitor chip, making him evil, or is this something else? Because they, really, they didn't really tell us exactly what they were doing like they did last time. 
Yeah, I think they're souping up his super soldier compliance that he's got going on, where he's just following these um, these missions to the T, and anyone who gets in his way, including his own team members, anyone who falters, who second guesses, who questions, who sticks up, they got to go. Yeah, and some people I saw online were talking about how this could have been one of the most violent episodes in all of Lucasfilm Animation, and I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. I think, you know, Darth Maul has some some really nasty parts uh, in some of them uh, and some really nasty verbiage and, and things like that, but I do think that this is up there um, and, you know, really reminds you of just the slaughter of innocence and Crosshair executing those innocent people uh, on Onderon and just shooting down a member of his teammate without any thought. And that's definitely not something that typical clones do. You know, you have a disagreement, you don't just shoot them. It's, there's something seriously going on with, with Crosshair and um, he's he's becoming a very formidable villain and very formidable opponent for the Bad Batch. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see where his story goes. But what did you think of the, the sheer violence that we saw in this one? It was uncomfortable for me, um, especially watching him once he got to Saw's camp. I mean, I wasn't too beat up over uh, the teammate that he capped, but... But the, the the slaughtering of the families and everything that was that was a little horrible. <laughs> um, and seeing him when he came back from the mission, going into their bunk and glancing over at the wall where they had been crossing off missions, and glancing around at the empty beds full of you know now filling with people that he didn't know. And seeing him just sitting on his bed and, you know, contemplating, it makes you wonder if he is still in there, is the part of him that's still crosshair screaming to get out or fighting? Or is it just, like I don't know, it was such a strange look on his face. So, yeah, what do you think? I, well, I'm wondering, because at the beginning of the episode, when Echo's talking to Tech about the condition of the ship, and, and Tech's like, oh, no, we're fine, we're fine, our life support's around, we're fine, it, it looked like to me that Tech was focused more on what he was doing uh, with his little project that he had. Uh, he said he was testing functionality of inhibitor chips uh, with that device that he had in his hand, and I'm wondering if... Tech is going to figure out a way to sort of reverse the effects on Crosshair's inhibitor chip, uh, sort of reverting him back to normal. I think it would be a tragedy to have to have Crosshair come out dying at the end of this because there's no way to, to kind of fix what's going on. Um, I guess we know that clones have the ability to remove their chip, so perhaps that could happen. Um, but I think with what we got at the beginning of this episode maybe a little foreshadowing that that tech is going to be able to to reverse it i really hope so um i would like to see him come back into the fold because i think he's a really cool character but he's going to have a lot to reckon with 
um, if he does get brought back to himself. I mean, this is day one of the atrocities that he's going to commit, and that, that was pretty rough. So I'm not stoked to see what else he gets up to before they have an opportunity to try and um, fix him. Yeah. Well, this elite project war mantle, I think, is is definitely going to be a, a problem for the Bad Batch. Um, but we'll have to see. We'll have to see how that goes. Let's talk a little bit about um, the Kaminoans in this whole thing. And and uh, if you remember back to the first episode and Omega was kind of going off and doing her own thing, Nalase was like, you have to stay close to me and things like that. And and now, as we're watching this, it seems like the Kaminoans are, are more worried about their business. They're more worried about the fact that the Empire is, the Empire is trying to recruit troopers versus have the clones be produced um and of course at the end of this they're like we need to create a better clone type thing but do you think nala say or lama su for that matter actually care that omega's gone because in the first episode it seemed like she was very important to them and now at least how i took it i i don't recall them even seeming like it's a big deal that she's not there anymore um, I think that Nalase um, made her peace with letting Omega go when she stopped the doors from closing and let them escape because I think she knows that the best place for Omega to be is off Camino. So I think that was, you know, her parting gift, at least for now, to o- Omega. I think she knows that she's going to be better off with the Bad Batch than she is on Camino for the time being. Um, and I think that what they're concerned about is their position um, going forward and the safety of their race, just because they do know so much about how the war was won. So I, I think they're getting a little bit nervous now, so they're trying to to secure a new kind of deal with this new empire. There's a lot of changes going on for everybody right now, and it's interesting to see. I think in this show we're getting a lot of gaps bridged and, and a lot of explanations. You know, one of the big ones being how did the Empire go from clones to, you know, recruits and, and getting to see the drama with all that I think is, is cool to see from this perspective. Um, but going back to Omega, Amanda, in, uh, when we were discussing the last one, you had mentioned that um, you have more to say on her potential special abilities uh, with what we get to see in this one. So what do you got for us? Okay. So back to my original brainstorming on the last podcast, I still think that she is their first attempt at a Force-sensitive clone. And I think that they either want her back or want to keep an eye on Crosshair because they do need that um, genetic DNA because they've said that the clone template DNA is deteriorating, um, especially as they go down the line. So the, And they only need one. I think that this deal is how the Kaminoans come to be a part of um, the Mandalorian. I think that the cloning goes beyond just the clone template and we will be um, starting to move forward into new and more adventurous cloning tactics. 
So you think that she's a Force-sensitive clone is what you're saying? Yep. Um, I think she's the first step as a Force-sensitive clone, but I don't think they're going to continue using like a straight-up Jango Fett clone template anymore. Um, and maybe that's where they start trying out these different branches of DNA when they start looking for Grogu. Just thinking. Well, we had we had talked a little bit on our last podcast about uh, you know we were just describing Omega's characteristics and and at the end of that, just listening to what we were talking about, it was like okay, this sounds like this character could be force sensitive. Um, and I said I wasn't sure if that was actually right, but as we continue to get more episodes, I keep thinking, does what they're showing us in this show continue to take us down that path? of potentially having Omega be Force-sensitive. And as I watched this episode, Replacements, I just kept thinking, like, what are some characteristics that a Force-sensitive person may have? And that is the one that we saw in this one, is the ability mm-hmm. to connect with creatures. And she went in to get that, um, that what was it? It was a capacitor. She went in to get the capacitor with the dragon down there. And at first... You know, it was starting to scream at her, and it was roaring, and she was cowering in the corner with a gun at pointed at it. But as seconds rolled by, I mean, the creature started just, like, playing with some other thing or starting to eat whatever was on the ground, and she was able to kind of throw her little flashlight over there and walk out of there without even firing a shot from Hunter's Blaster. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we didn't necessarily see her like reach out with the force to calm the beast or anything like that. But I think in that situation, she was, she was on some level able to connect with the dragon and escape out of there. Yeah, I agree completely. I mean, watching that moment, it was definitely a callback to some of the earlier moments with Ezra and his connection. Um, I personally, I think that. Um, if Omega is force sensitive, I don't think we're going to see her turn into a lightsaber wielding, um, fighting kind of Jedi figure. I think that her force sensitivity is going to be something a little bit different. Maybe something like we saw in force collector where you can use this channel of the force, but that doesn't necessarily mean that your purpose is to fight or, you know, lift up everyone in the room with your mind. So. Right. And as we continue to get more star Wars content, we continue to learn more about the force and, and the abilities uh, that it gives people and, and maybe some, not others. And, Uh, We know that the Force resides in all living things, so some people may have uh, a greater sensitivity to the Force, more midichlorians, and, and, you know, other people, not as many, and and their abilities are limited. So I think we get to see a lot now more than ever of that being the case. So uh, I'm really enjoying it, though. I think they're they're giving us a lot of good stuff, and uh, I'm super looking forward to, to seeing what happens in it. Uh, going forward so i think that this show is just doing such a great job and i really loved at the end of this how wrecker made her her own bedroom 
Yeah, she's officially part of of the crew. And at the beginning of this one, this is the one where Wrecker was going to take her supply bar. And Hunter was like, she doesn't even have a bed. Now you're going to take her food? (laughs) And he's like, oh, uh, you can have it. You know, um, but now she she has her room. I think the entire group of the Bad Batch are coming around to being responsible for this little girl now. They feel like she's officially part of the family. And uh, I think they're going to be rolling on all cin- cylinders going forward. Yeah, I think that they're start starting to fall in step with each other and really figure out how to work as a team. Um, I think that this episode was really good for Hunter to see that Omega is capable. She might not be capable in the ways that he finds, you know, traditional to what he's used to working with, but she's capable and she can figure things out and she is valuable to the team, not just as someone that they need to protect or keep safe, but as a genuine team member who contributes. If you guys have any thoughts on Omega or the most recent two episodes of The Bad Batch, Cut and Run or Replacements, we'd love to hear your thoughts on them. Uh, by the time this episode airs, I'm not sure if we'll have another one. We we kind of got real busy, so this one is probably going to be coming out later than, than I wanted it to. But um, if you guys have any thoughts on these two, definitely let us know on, on Facebook or Instagram or any type of social media. We're on there uh, or email us, whatever works. We'd love to talk to you about the Bad Batch and what your guys' thoughts on Omega are. Uh, Amanda, if people want to talk to us about the Bad Batch or, or find us on social media, where can they do that? You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, all under the handle at Twin Sons Outpost. And if you're looking to find us, you can listen to our show on our website, which is www.twinsonsoutpost.com. Click on the podcast tab on the left-hand side. You'll find all of our episodes there. You can also find us on the Star Wars podcast app through the Google Play Store and on iTunes. And if you guys like what we're doing and you think we're pretty wizard, go ahead and leave us a positive review. Thanks so much for listening to episode 202 of Twin Suns Transmission. We'll see you next time, and as always, may the Force be with you. Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall, Harrison Dula from Star Wars Rebels. You've been listening to Twin Suns Transmission, an exciting show where sand gets everywhere. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Twin Suns Podcast Network. May the Force be with you, always. It's controlled by the hut. I'll meet you at the rendezvous point on Pottaway. Son, you're a mother to me, I think.